0: You're listening to a podcast from 702. 702. The Naked Scientist. Oh, and I know who loves coffee. (laughs) Who gets through the day (laughs) on coffee. (laughs) Dr. Chris Smith, the Naked Scientist. Did you hear that? There's a shortage potentially coming. Uh...
1: Oh, I hope not. I've stocked up. I'm okay. I always order lots and lots of coffee and have plenty in the cupboard because there's nothing that matches that feeling of disappointment when the coffee jar is empty <laughs> and you go to the reserve supply and it's gone. Nothing. And, and it just ruins your day, doesn't it? So I, I always have several jars on the go at once. So I, you know, in, in reserve. So I'm, I'm always I'm always able to weather coffee shortage storms.
0: <laughs> and I suspect there's special beans that you swear by.
1: <laughs> High caffeine. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, okay, now we know why your brain is so switched on.
1: <laughs> I don't know. It's a, it may be. You know, um, there's a trick that some plants use, which is that they put caffeine into their nectar, and this actually addicts insects to them. Mm-hmm. And when insects come and pollinate those flowers, they get a dose of caffeine, which gives them a buzz. Ba-boom. But what it also does is it improves their memory. So the insects, the pollinators, are more likely to remember those flowers and the location of those flowers again so they will actively seek them out and seek out flowers like them, and hence it hugely improves the pollination yes, efficiency it's
0: self-serving. of those
1: particular plants.
0: Very, very yeah, smart.
1: Absolutely. Mm. And, uh, and so it's sort of the same thing happens with humans, I think, probably. We, we do definitely get a motivation enhancement, which, which will actually help you to focus on a task, and therefore it probably does improve your memory. Also, if you're in caffeine withdrawal and feeling a bit miserable then you're not going to do your work as well and you're not going to remember things as well because you're distracted by the fact that you really haven't had a cup of coffee and you'd really like one and you've now got a chronic headache. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> I think probably we are similar to those insects that remember where the caffeine-laced flowers are and pollinate them more often.
0: Yes. All right. So let's see about putting that memory of yours to the test. I wonder how many cubs you've had because our listeners are lined up to ask you questions this afternoon on 11 your time with the Naked Scientist. So your science-related curiosity, fascination, or you just need an explainer on how something works. So Dr. Chris Smith, the Naked Scientist, is with us. For the remaining half hour of the show. So zero one one eight eight three zero seven oh two. Um let's go straight to the lines. We've got uh, Prince in Bedford View with the question for uh the naked scientist. Um but first let's yeah, let's go to Prince. Hi, Prince.
2: Um, hello. Welcome.
0: Uh, yes. Yeah.
2: So um there's this thing called tripophobia, right? Uh fear of Holes or patterns. I'm so, unfortunately, nice. happened to me. I didn't know what it was. I just saw. Um, I think a racket bitten through a mattress, and it made certain patterns. And I felt very weird when I saw it. And then when I googled it, I saw similar images, mm-hmm. and it literally just made my skin crawl. And I realized that when I did research, I think it's a new thing because it's not even in the dictionary yet. Mm-hmm. So it's still a new word. I just want the naked scientists to just throw throw more light on it. And then quickly, let me smuggle one, one last question. Um, I think negative naked, the naked scientists have explained before that uh, when people sleepwalk, it means that um, their brain, that something didn't turn off that part when they were supposed to sleep. So, for instance, when somebody commits a crime when they sleepwalk, can they be legally charged for it? Like, for instance, they went to bed and then during their sleepwalking, they killed somebody. Mm -hmm. So in such a case, what would happen? So can they, because they didn't know this, so there was no premeditation to such Mm. a crime. So what would the law do in such a case?
0: Right. Uh, It sounds more like a legal question, but we'll get Chris's thoughts (laughs) on it. But I wanted the full name again, because I've seen those images, and they also creep me out, of the holes, Prince. What is it? What did you say it's called? The phobia?
2: Tri- tri-po- tri-po-phobia. So I think I think it's t-, t R I P O then phobia or something. I was just calling it as as well. You Google it. You shouldn't Google it. I, no, I no, no, so no, I don't. No, no, I don't want to see
0: those those see images.
2: images. and they really really creep me out. Like yes. when, yeah yeah. Absolutely. I know why, what really happens to the body. Why does it? Um, what, what really happens when you see these images? Because it really does something. Yeah, there's a
0: recoil. There's a discomfort. Absolutely, Prince. Thank you for that one, um, Chris. Let's start with this trypophobia, fear of holes, as uh, Prince was describing.
1: Can you just summarise the question for me, just very briefly? Because the line wasn't great, and I didn't catch okay. all the question.
0: So he says that a rat ate into uh, a piece of mattress, and when uh, holes, and when he saw those holes his skin crawled you know it was like Ugh. and then um he looked up this phobia of holes and like not circles per se, but holes. Trypophobia, trypophobia, like a fear of holes, mm. and it is something that's gone around. I've received it too. And these images, they um, they don't quite look like a beehive. They, they, I think, a beehive we're accustomed to, but it's these holes that are connected to each other, and they make seem at least to make a lot of people just recoil and feel um, uncomfortable, like quite a discomfort at seeing it.
1: Yes. Well, there are certain stimuli which, when presented to the brain, can elicit unpleasant reactions. And this is a sort of variant on what we call synesthesia. There are people who have synesthesia, and if you say a certain word to them, or they count a certain number, um, or they think of a word Mm -hmm. or a number, they may experience a totally different sensation other than just the representation of that word and its meaning. Uh, For instance, I had a friend who who said he could taste shapes. So if he showed him a triangle, he would actually experience the taste as, as he was looking at it of a triangle compared with a circle. And they had different taste sensations. And some people would describe Certain words as having a color attached to them so there's one family I'm aware of who had different colors for different days of the week and the thing about this is it's very consistent if you test people with this condition synesthesia they will say uh, in response to a certain word or syllable or pattern of words they will always get the same reaction and we think this is because in the brain in the processing that decodes the meaning of a word the information branches off as well as going to the part of the brain that says this word means X, it also aberrantly recruits another part of the brain that decodes, say, colors or tastes. Mm -hmm. So when you present the stimulus, you also get that reaction. So in certain circumstances, some people have wiring in their brains that certain shapes will provoke certain other sensations or certain visual stimuli can do that. But then there's another possibility, which is that there's also more primitive parts of the brain that are there to defend you. So things that are writhing around or or circular or look like snakes, for example, might might elicit these sorts of reactions because your brain is programmed to look for those sorts of things because if you run into a snake, it might bite you and that might be the end of your life. And so you have wired into you certain innate reactions to certain things that will trigger a fear or a revulsion or a, yes. a withdrawal of, of a part of the body you pull your hand away for example you can get similar sorts of reactions to things that look like uh, snakes you know a, a hose pipe or hairy legs of spiders and that kind of thing mm-hmm. so it might be that that is part of it and under certain circumstances it's just a random thing that if you you've got your brain wired a certain way when a certain stimulus is presented it happens to end up fooling your brain into seeing something that's not there and you find it unpleasant. Absolutely.
0: Yeah, the disgust and the fear that you described, that's certainly the feeling that you get uh, when you you look at the images associated with uh, trypophobia. Uh, So Prince, that's the first question. The second one he was asking about sleepwalking and um, Mm. it might take a legal turn, but he wanted to know, because he referred to a previous explanation that you gave about what's happening when someone sleepwalks. um, You know, the connection between the brain and the physical body and so on. And he was curious to know, what if someone commits a crime while they are sleepwalking?
1: Yeah, I mean, this will come down to whether a person can, can honestly, genuinely prove that they were sleepwalking. Because otherwise, anyone committing a crime would, would blame it on somnambulism, which is a medical term for sleepwalking. And say, so I, I wasn't really doing that. It happened when I was sleepwalking, so it's not my fault. Mm there have been legal cases where people have done things, for instance, there have been charges of sexual assault, for example, and people said, well, I I was doing it in my sleep, I didn't know, I I wasn't conscious. And that may well be the, the case in some cases, but it's down to the individual to prove that that was the case and that they weren't actually using that as an excuse. When we do sleepwalk, what is thought to be happening is that some parts of the brain are partially conscious and aware capable of navigating responding to stimuli guiding you through an environment but the ma- the main executive parts of the brain which are responsible for decision making remain deactivated and so you're not making conscious rational decisions about what you're doing you're operating at a subconscious level it's very hard to prove which of these things it is and how this works because you can't ethically do the sorts of experiments on humans that we would need to do to explore this further and obviously we can't ask an animal what it is or isn't thinking when it's going through these sorts of things so these are extremely difficult things to do other than by self-report and just okay. uh, observation of people having these sorts of experiences and therefore it's really hard to actually find out what the reality is.
0: Okay. Um, next, let's go to Glenn in Pretoria. Hello, Glenn. Hi,
2: uh, how are you? I'm good. Welcome, Glenn. Go for it. Uh, thank, thank you. I've a question for Professor Smith um, and it's about your or me. Yeah. Why is it um, apparently infectious or should I say it's very public <laughs> uh, if, if you think of with somebody... And the yawn is suddenly passed to yawn also. Or sometimes if you put the phone, uh yawn or the yarn on the other side, you'll
0: suddenly be passed to yawn as well. Okay. To, you know, can you yes. Okay. Uh Glenn, your line is poor, but I'll relate uh your question. Clenn is asking why is yawning infectious? Even if someone is on the phone, just hearing it is not just about mm. seeing them, but it's equally infectious uh just by hearing it.
1: Uh, Well, humans are a social species and we tend to hang out therefore in groups and we think that yawning has evolved as a wake-up mechanism. Obviously you yawn when you're tired and one of the effects of yawning is it cools down the brain and we know that people with a higher brain temperature which tends to associate with fatigue tend to yawn more than people with a lower brain temperature and in fact you can cool someone's head down And they'll stop yawning. You can warm them up or make them breathe exclusively through their mouth and they'll want to yawn more. So the argument goes that if you've got a group of people, ancestrally, you know, our our ancestors were all hanging around in their group and they're living in a dangerous environment, lots of nasty animals around that want to turn you into dinner. You're all sitting around looking out for each other, looking out for danger, one person yawns. If one person yawns because they're tired, it's likely that the entire group are tired. Therefore, everyone's probably getting Mm. fatigued and likely to drop off. If therefore you make yawning an infectious phenomenon, it means that everyone gets a wake-up call, which helps to keep everyone alert, which means you're less likely to fall prey to the danger that could creep up on you if more people are alert more often. So, it's evolutionarily advantageous that everyone yawns and catches yawns off each other.
0: Mm. Well, let's take a quick break. We'll be back with Dr. Chris Smith after this and return to your questions.
1: 702.
0: The Naked Scientist. It's seven minutes to uh, three o'clock. Back to the lines. We've got Matthew calling to ask a question to Dr. Chris Smith, the Naked Scientist. Hello, Matthew.
2: Hi, good day. How are you?
0: Welcome, Matthew. We're good.
2: Super. I guess I have a question for the Naked Scientist. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, I have ADHD, all right, which um, means that I've got uh, low, low levels of my um, chemicals or neurotransmitters, dopamine, serotonin, and norepinephrine. And um, what is the best way forward uh, apart from taking the likes of Ritalin or Concerta every day? Is there another way of trying to uh, a way of keeping up those levels? in my head without start using those drugs or yeah. is there no other way to go?
0: Yes. Uh, just give me the other two. You said dopamine and what, what are the other two hormones?
2: Serotonin.
0: Serotonin, yeah.
2: And norepinephrine.
0: epinephrine. Okay. Fantastic. Um, Chris, any thoughts on Matthew's question?
1: Hi, Matthew. Well, ADHD, attention deficit hyperactivity disorder is quite common. In fact, about one in five adults, we think, have this. Some of them had it as children and therefore have it as adults. Some children stop having it by the time they become adults, and some adults get it only when they become adults, having not had it when they were children. But it amounts to about one person in five. Now, given that one person in five has the symptoms of ADHD, we certainly don't have one adult in five in the population taking the source of medications that you mentioned, things like Ritalin, which can help to stabilize people's attention and so on. And so the answer is that many people do actually cope pretty well and learn strategies in order to get through their day and be a success without needing to use these sorts of drugs. But not everyone does. And some people find them a very useful support in coping with the condition. And so really it comes down to personal choice. These drugs, used the way that they should be used to manage the condition, can be very helpful for some people. And they do have relatively few and mild side effects or no side effects at all other than helping a person to stabilize their thinking. Um, On the other hand, some people find that they don't want to use them and that they would prefer actually to put up with... The side effects of knowing that they have ADHD and taking steps to compensate so they they know what they're good at they know what they're less good at and they therefore allow more time to get through the things that might prove tricky for them and and they uh, therefore put their effort and energy into what they're good at and, and allow themselves a bit more time to make up for the shortcomings that could be foisted on them by having ADHD so it's really going to come down to a personal choice And some people say, well, I'll try some medication. And if I don't like it, then I'll go back to not using it because I've got through the rest of my life without using it. And I'll use behavioral strategies to compensate for some of the shortcomings of of the way I, I was otherwise having to work because of ADHD.
0: So there's nothing we can do in our routine and what we eat. Um,
1: that... Well, can well, yes, there is. That's what I'm saying. I mean, you can... Well, if, if you know that you are good at certain things, okay, because so ADHD
0: can make you very good
1: at mm-hmm. some things. And, you know, pe- people who who are very energized, people who mm-hmm. like getting things done, those sorts of people with ADHD, some of those traits can make people extremely successful at certain things, but mm-hmm. not at everything. And And people, therefore, can use their knowledge of what they're good at and what they're less good at to adjust how much time they allocate to things, what sorts of jobs they want to take on how they plan to go ahead with those jobs so that they take into account what's going to go well, what's going to take them a bit more time, and you mm-hmm. can adjust your schedule accordingly. On the other hand, some people say, well, I'd rather not have to do that. I want to be more of a jack-of-all-trades. And so they try some of these medications, but it's not a one-way street. You can try them, and if you find that it's not for you, you're not obliged to carry on using it, but you should give it a fair crack of the whip so you can mm-hmm. at least see and make a fair appraisal of whether it does help you or not.
0: mm mm-hmm fascinating what a fascinating question to end things off on chris that's all we have time for today but we pick it up again uh next week monday thank you
1: yeah two weeks time
0: happy oh, easter yes. everybody <laughs> we forgot about the long weekend that's like on our doorstep thank yeah, you chris thanks easter. for the reminder
1: happy easter, same, easter and too many easter eggs
0: same to you enjoy <laughs> the hunts
1: <laughs> take care i so said bye
0: bye that is dr chris smith just reminding us that uh, monday it won't be happening because it's easter Easter Monday.